You are listening to an SAFM podcast, 104 to 107 nationwide. Stream us live on www.safm.co.za or via the SABC Plus app. SABC News, independent and impartial. Following this week's tabling of the medium-term budget policy statement by Finance Minister Inok Kodongwana, there have been growing opposition to continued cuts to social service budgets. The Public Service Accountability Monitor, the PSAM, PSAM, has put the blame for budget cuts squarely on government's hands through its failure to curb the intentional erosion of public finances through fraud, corruption and dismal financial management, particularly at the provincial and municipal levels. The organization is now calling on Cabinet to give responses and justifications for their policy choices and budget adjustments that will have a direct impact on constitutional and human rights obligations. PSAM head of, of uh, the South Africa program, Zugiswa Kota, now joins us on the line. Zugiswa, thank you for your time with us um, here on The Weekend View. Overall, um, do you think here that uh, the, the minister had other options? You've expressed, of course, displeasure at, uh, at, at uh, the continued cuts to social service budgets, which should, in fact, infuriate all South Africans. But we find ourselves in a very difficult position. Do you believe that he had alternatives? One of the... Uh, encouraging aspects of whether or not there are alternatives, particularly around um, the cuts to social spending, is that there are many economists and and many within groups such as the Budget Justice Coalition and others of our partners who have over the years presented what we feel are, are credible alternatives, and and particularly alternatives to 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 cutting um, social spending. So we do feel that um, in, in, the, in, the, in those instances, uh, the, you know, the cabinet has been presented with options um, and certainly at the very least has been presented with opportunities to better engage the public about those trade-offs um, and why some decisions over others are, are made, um, again, particularly around, as you, as you highlighted, social spending and, and areas that have an impact on human rights. I think often when when we have these these conversations the the real impact on on people and when we think about you know um Tuli Martinsella's days as public protector she always used the the idea of a a gokotla meaning and I always felt that that brought mm. it home I wonder if briefly Zugisa, you you could perhaps paint the picture of what the real impact is when trying to 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 save money trying to sort out uh, this the, this country's finances um and and the the uh, proposed approach and the and the direction that this this government wants to then take what does the impact actually look like um on a goko jamini when there are continued cuts to social spending yeah there's there's perhaps two ways or two um and and I recognize that you know when the former public protector referred to Coco Lamini you know it it was a catch all idea of um you know people particularly in vulnerable households people particularly who don't have access um to platforms in which they can engage around what the what those impacts precisely are yeah 
One of the best examples, um, and, and this is where two aspects come together. One um, is exactly the participatory aspect of ask people um, before making fundamental decisions um, about budgets that will have an impact on them. Mm. And then secondly, what those impacts are. So um, in 2018 or 2017, um, certainly far back enough, um, but close enough that it, it, it is something memorable, You'll recall there were, um, you know, there was the proposal to um, increase value-added tax, to increase VAT. Yeah. Um, and there was an outcry, not just because of the lack of um, consultation and engaging the public, because that would, of course, um, you know, that, that does have a fundamental impact on all of us. Um, you know, anyone who buys anything at any point, um, you know, particularly food, would be impacted but the the other aspect was that um, with the increasing uh, cost of living and in particular in, you know the expense of food, it did mean that the value, for example, of the old age grant and the value of of the child grant um, you know and people who are very um, dependent on those grants would be eroded to an extent again, particularly when it comes to you know the cost of food, the cost of basic foodstuffs, you know the things that we cannot take for granted because they are about life and death, right? Mm -hmm. Sustenance. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a decision at the higher level that says let's increase VAT by two, you know, two percentage points, isn't just a decision on paper. It does mean that you know a household, a vulnerable household, has to then make decisions between. Transport costs, um, do I take, you know, can I take a taxi into town to collect my grant or that money to buy fresh vegetables um, or fresh produce, which which my family needs. And so those are some of the impacts um, aside from, for example, you know, the impacts on health. So our colleagues at the Rural Health Advocacy Project really advocate and as have we advocate for access to quality health services. Mm. But if we are cutting back um, on social, cutting back on health budgets, for instance, it does mean that um, rural areas for in particular who are still running at a backlog when it comes to health services are that much slower at catching up, are that much you know less likely to kind of balance out this, this really in, unequal health um, sector that we've got. So those are some of the you know some of the areas of impact um, around budget decisions and policy decisions um, that again tend to be disproportionately, as we often say, carried um, by vulnerable households. Mm-hmm. Are there are there no positives that we can point to, um, Zugi? So and 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 maybe mm. also we put the the positives in in air quotes, right? I I'm thinking here about the the three hundred and fifties that that started, mm. um, you know, a, as a result of the impact of on of you know of COVID. The, um, these uh, grants uh, will be extended until March of of twenty twenty five, but of course beyond that, um, th- there there is no plan. It it will in fact require new revenue new sources or f- even greater spending cuts to actually make sure that, 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 that these these grants can in fact continue. Can you view that as as a positive given, um, you know, for, for somebody who, who's all right or who has an income, 350 isn't much. But for people who are then able to, to you know, to get airtime, to buy bread, to apply for work, to do things with it, it goes a very long way. So the impact of it certainly isn't negligible, but we don't have a plan for it. Um, in in future, can you view it as a positive? Um, is it something that that we can build on? 
Yeah, also a really important question. And, and I think, uh, you know, it, it really is important to acknowledge uh, the value of those safety nets uh, and never take for granted what it means um, for, you know, a, a household that um, is dependent on those grants, a household um, for whom, you know, there, there isn't, um, you know, an, an income other than uh, social social grants. Um, and, and so those as cash injections to households are fundamental, are, are important. However, I think very much similar to what we understand, for instance, um, going a bit broader around conditional grants and in other aspects. I mean, if we look, for instance, um, at a conditional grant, um, you know, such as the school nutrition program, um, which, you know, it's, it's a different kind of grant, but in many respects is, is intended to, to have it, you know, to, to be some, ex- to some extent have a temporary nature, which is about tiding people over, mm. is about, um, you know, filling a gap um, until such a point as, you know, as the state is able to meaningfully respond um, to, you know, to needs, for example, in this instance of learners, um, you know, from food and insec- insecure households. And so, if we, if if the state isn't able to get to a point um, where we meet our, you know, um, objectives around equality, where we meet our developmental objectives, that is where then we must be concerned. Um, Thirty years, forty years, however far down the line, if we are saying that so many people are still living in conditions of precarity, that so many people are still living, you know, in conditions dependent on such such grants. So that's a broader question, which I think is still really important for us to grapple with. But in the in the interim, I think it is important to, to really note that um, those are, are important safety nets for many households, mm-hmm. which is why this, you know, the, the aspects of the um, UBIG, for instance, are, are quite fundamental. But perhaps a, a broader question, and, and and you're right, there are aspects to be encouraged by, um, you know, so we, we, you know, for example, in our statement have indicated, yes, we are encouraged to hear that, um, you know, earlier in the year, the president spoke strongly around anti-corruption interventions. We need to safeguard the very limited resources we speak of. We need to ensure that what is available goes to the places it should go to. Otherwise, you know, on the one hand, we're saying we're making cuts, and at the same time, whatever is available is wasted or it, or goes to the pockets of the corrupt. So f- for us, we are encouraged about those pronouncements. We're encouraged, for instance, that there are, you know, the, the expositions or the coverage around, um, you know, the, the results or the observations, the recommendations of the Zondo Commission. Mm. But now we're calling for decisive action because on the one hand, you know, we may well speak for years on end about the state of corruption in our country, but if nothing meaningful is done, um, nothing decisive is done, those resources will continue to be eroded. And so in a sense, um, this this sort of vicious cycle will continue. And so while we are encouraged by those pronouncements, we're encouraged, for instance, by the additions earlier in the year in February, um, you know, to the entities that are responsible for preventing corruption, investigating fraud, um, and prosecuting, um, you know, misuse where, where it is picked up. Mm-hmm. We, we also are a little bit concerned um, about what we find to be somewhat modest targets at exactly um, protecting the resources that should reach Gokongambule, Gokotlamini, and all of us essentially, um, you know, um, across the country. And, yeah, and so I yeah. think that is that is something that isn't spoken adequately enough about, you know, the balance of ensuring that precious public resources are, are safeguarded. Zuyiswa Godwa, Public Service Accountability Monitor, Head of South Africa Programme. 
you can find SAFM Current Affairs on 104 to 107 nationwide. Our podcasts are available for download on all our digital platforms. SAFM, leading the conversation.